We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. Happy to be back on a Sunday. Uh, quick 23-hour turnaround this weekend, so uh, happy to be here today to talk about some potential 2022 Chargers breakout players. We're going to have it in a format where we're kind of buying or selling uh, what the other co-hosts are kind of putting down. So we're going to have uh, six different candidates that we're going to talk about. Really excited to see how this one goes. Um, you know, obviously there are certain players that you know, we can we can talk about in terms of like what is a breakout. We'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, uh, joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. We uh, we were joking back and forth uh, before the show about our episode one year ago today. Uh, I was at Newport um, and the the Bucks had just beaten the Suns in, in game five. And it was really funny to. To look at how things have changed uh, from then and now. Uh, and Alex mentioned that. There we go. There's the picture for our YouTube audience. <laughs> I think that was the longest my beard has ever been in my life. Alex was uh, coping with the Sixers loss to the Hawks. So it was all good fun. Yep. Tyler, good times. Man. Tyler how are you doing? Doing very well. I, I don't even know what year that's supposed to be from. Alex said it was 20 years ago. I would buy that personally. Um, although I think Stephen would be about seven years old with a beard. So, uh, but you know, I don't know, maybe white people grow differently. Um, but I'm doing very well. Stephen, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I, uh, I haven't had a full beard for my whole life, right? Like when I was in high school, I had, I, I did like a, the little like chin strap mustache combo, but I couldn't get my, uh, my face to connect to my, or my face, my sideburns to connect, you know what I mean? So I just did the little line and then a little mustache action, but, uh, yeah, that was about it. Right on. Yeah, your big uh, face connect guy. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, this is my full beard. You get these whiskers up here, and that's about it. Uh, so I, not much I can really tack on there. <laughs> yeah, big uh, big face connect guy for sure, for sure. But uh, <laughs> what can I say? Um, all right, well, let, let's talk about kind of how we are viewing these players first before we dive into who is our who, or who are our picks I should say so uh Tyler when you you know hear the term breakout player or you know how you're going about this process today what did you ultimately land on in terms of the classifications or qualifications I should say 
in picking these players? Yeah, to me, I guess if I'm looking at stats or so, it's either a player who's, I don't want to say irrelevant, but like, you know, like 50 to 100 range in certain stat categories. Like maybe you'd rank them around there, but they kind of jump into maybe that top 30 or so. Or it's a player who's maybe like a Nisir Adderley, who's, you know, a good player at his position, but now he'll be considered maybe potentially top 12 or so at his position. Alex, any thoughts there? Oh, you know, I mean, for me, breakout candidate is all relative, right? It's not like this player suddenly, you know, he was top 30 and now he's going to be top five, right? Um, right. And you could view it that way, really have a candidate like that. Um, but for me, I just viewed it as using year to year to year, you know, consistent improvement. And they're projected in 2022 for a variety of reasons or points that we'll bring up to have their best season. Um, so that's really how I went about the exercise. Yeah, I think for me, like and Tyler's talking about, I, I think you have to jump up like, uh, you know, at least one tier in, in terms of like national status, if not two for me. So, you know, like if Joey Bosa puts together like a 16 and a half sack season, and gets like consideration for defense as a player of the year. That's not really like a breakout candidate for me because mm-hmm. we already know that he's capable of doing that kind of uh, production or having that kind of production and being that kind of player. Um, the interesting one, I guess, in, in, in that debate would be if Justin Herbert does become like a legitimate MVP candidate, would we classify that as a breakout? I think for me that that's a bit of a gray area. Yeah, I would not personally. It, it's, I mean, he, he, what do you have? Five thousand yards and forty-three touchdowns. Like, I don't know how much sure. more breaking yeah. out. I mean, it'd be a huge season for sure, but I don't think he could break out all that much more. I guess that's just a situation where it would be more of a breakout for the national media than it would be for us, because you know, Tyler Stats had him ranked at number two. Stephen had him ranked number four. I had ranked number yeah. three. So, you know, going at to number one or number two or being MVP of the league, I don't think would uh, really boost his status. But again, all, all relative. Yeah, absolutely. So I know me personally, I, I'm kind of focusing in on, you know, somebody who can, you know, make a significant leap forward, whether that's, you know, I think there's a unique opportunity here to talk about some players who, might be able to jump into the ESPN top 10 rankings. And and maybe that's kind of a way that you classify a breakout as somebody who wasn't on the list that's getting on the list or, or something like that. And of course, you know, you're talking about a young player who, who kind of has flashed some and is really kind of putting it all together. So um, that's kind of how I'm looking at Um, shout out Tyler's mom and Galadriel. Uh, Is she a year old yet? Yeah, she's a year and two months old. So she's just okay. uh, in like, all, we're in the terrible twos now. We're getting there. Ooh. <laughs> Where's the time gone, man? I know. I know. A little crazy. So, um, all right, we'll get into our, our breakout candidates now. Um, I think I'm going to go first today. I, you know, mixing it up a little Power bit. move. I know. <laughs> um, my first pick is going to be Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, nice. this is somebody that obviously I've been kind of going to bat for the whole off season. He was one of my, uh, key free agent targets. And when I'm talking about a breakout player, like I'm talking about somebody that is going to get onto that ESPN defensive tackle list. In my opinion, um, we've talked a lot about his run defense on this show being, uh, number one in run stop percentage. If you filter to 20% uh, percent of snaps, of course, if you don't, then Brayden Fajoko is number one, which uh, that's another story for another time. Um, but Sebastian Joseph Day is such a quality run defender. And I went back when they signed him and watched uh, the 2021 tape. And then after they signed Morgan Fox, I went back and watched some of the 2020 stuff, uh, mostly for Fox. But again, you know, it, it's hard to miss what Sebastian Joseph Day was doing it and you know now recently i'm watching the 2021 chargers stuff and all of the chargers defensive tackles uh, aside from justin jones and linvat joseph from time to time have such a problem with taking on the double teams shedding those double teams or taking on a blocker and shedding those shedding that blocker and making a play on the ball that's not a problem for sebastian joseph today that's something that he really excels at and he's just such a quality run defender 
that I think if he gets with the Chargers, he's their best defense at this point. Um, and, you know, if he kind of turns around or helps turn around the interior line, he's going to get a lot of buzz just from a run defense standpoint. And then you add in the fact that I think he really is underrated as a pass rusher. And I think you can move him around, play him as a three tech, play him as a five tech. And, you know, he had 15 total pressures in seven games last year, which isn't a ton. It's about two pressures a game. But if he can bump that up slightly and get into like the 40 pressure kind of range, you're talking about a top 15 defensive tackle for sure, in my opinion, because he is one of the best run stuffing defensive tackles. Now you're talking about 40 total pressures. Maybe he gives you five, six, seven sacks. And so for me, like I think that is in the realm of possibilities for Sebastian Joseph Day because of his diversity along, along the line, playmaking ability. So for me, when I'm I'm looking at the Chargers roster as somebody who can get into that top 15, 12, 10 range of their position, I think Sebastian Joseph Day for me would be the number one pick. And so he is my first breakout player candidate. I like that. I, I wasn't buying the idea just because like, okay, he's one of the best run defenders in the league. I think that's known, but then, so why would he break out in like the, maybe the media sets or why would he make that top 10? But then you talked about if the run defense does improve, which was so covered as an awful run defense last year, if it does improve and if he is the focal point, then he'll get a ton of credit for that. And he should, but I do think he'll break out for us, like for us as fans that they will know what he means to the team and how big of a season he's having. I don't know about the media, uh, I'm just trying to run through the the top 10 for ESPN. It does seem very pass rush heavy, right? Like, I'm not sure. mistaken most of these guys are there. Uh, but still, I, I do think that's a really good call. Oh, DJ Jones is on there. I don't remember him being a superior pass, like a crazy good pass rusher. Yeah, I mean, he had he had the whole season of production, and he is a, he's a good pass rusher, but he's, he's a nose tackle, right? Like, he's a very yeah. similar mm-hmm. player to Sebastian. Okay, so I could, yeah, I would love to see Sebastian Joseph Day at least make the honorable mentions list. And yeah, I think given where the run defense was, I think that he could break out in the media's eyes for sure. Yeah, and I think they've also put him in a position where he should break out, right? I mean, we obviously talked about the, the acquisition of Khalil Mack. You have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the ends. Um, and, you know, he's brought in to be sort of the star of that interior. They also don't have a lot of other people to step up in that role either. Like Austin Johnson's going to come in, obviously Morgan Fox for your, um, you know, interior pass rush. But other than that, it's a lot of the burden, the responsibility is going to fall on Sebastian Joseph day. And based on his production with the Rams, you would certainly say that he's probably going to be more of a focal point and more of a breakout candidate even. Yeah. And and like I said, I think the key there obviously is the pass rush production. Like he does have to take a step forward there. Um, but you know, if he does get into like the 40 to 45 range, you're, you're talking about a range of like Deron Payne, Leonard Williams, Mm -hmm. Dexter Lawrence, Vita Vea, Fletcher Cox, um, Draymond Jones. So I think it it is another good, like national breakout pick. I think Draymond Jones is fantastic. So like, it, it does go hand in hand, right? Like I think if he, if he just plays the whole 17 games and he's a really good run defender, then I think he could maybe get in like the receiving votes category, maybe bottom of the yeah. uh, honorable mention category. But I do believe that he he is capable of taking a pass rush leap, and so I do think if that happens, he'll he'll get into the top ten. And and so that's that's my big thing here is right. Like I think he's a very underrated pass rusher, and I think he'll show that this year. Yeah, I love that. I will just go next because I do want to talk about his running mate. I think. It's not Jerry Tillery. Uh, it's Morgan Fox. Now, this does okay. come with a bit of a caveat because we don't know if he's going to be starting. That said, I do think it's very possible. You know, when when Fox was about to sign and then when he did sign, you know, reached out to his coach, Coach Ed, who did interview with Steven as well. And he basically said that Carolina just did not know how to use him. And, you know, they were putting him in the wrong positions to succeed, whatever. He believes, as someone who does train Sebastian Joseph Day, and knows both those guys very well, including, and also, you know, Ogboni and other guys. He does believe that Morgan Fox is their best pass rusher by a significant margin when it comes to interior defensive linemen. And so, you know, Morgan Fox, I guess, kind of depends on what you believe a breakout is, but he's never, he's really like a 25 pressure guy the last two seasons. I believe it was 25 and 26. You know, I, I do think now if he starts, and that's a big if, I suppose, you know, I think he can top 40 pressures this year and really break out in that way. 
Um, Jerry Tillery had 31. So I think that's, you know, I think he can be better than that. Greg Gaines had 38 <laughs> last year. So I think he could top that. You know, 40 would put him in like the teens in terms of pressures, like the late teens. So it's not like he's the best guy in the league by any means, but I think that he can win that starting job, be their best interior pass rusher, get those 40 pressures, which he's not super far from. He did hit 26. He could jump to 40 something with full starting snaps. And I think that this is just by far maybe the best overall edge and interior defensive line group he's worked with with arguably the best overall secondary behind him. So I do think if he starts that he will break out past 40 pressures, get into like that top 15 or so for pressures if he starts. I was, I was sorry. I was just looking at uh, Greg Gaines's numbers. He had quite a postseason run there, man. He had, uh, what is that? He had 10 pressures in four games, one sack. So that's a, that's a good uh, pass rush production for him. Um, considering he's a knuckle, but I, I think so. Obviously, a little bit of a different conversation, right? Because you're not pegging Morgan Fox as like making a, a leap into the top 10. But mm. I, I agree, man. I, I think Morgan Fox is legitimately good, and mm. I think it was just a really bad fit in Carolina because he was asked to play a lot more on the edge as opposed to the interior, and then things obviously in Carolina not go super well. So I agree that Morgan Fox can kind of go from being, you know, a serviceable backup rotational player to a legitimate starter this year for the Chargers. And I think that would, you know, uh, qualify for being a breakout player and, you know, give me 41, like 40 to 43, 44 pressures, six, seven, eight sacks. And I think that's that's a great season for Morgan Fox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's just really hard to find consistent pass rush production on the interior. So if you can get that season from Morgan Fox and either resign him next year or, you know, get some kind of comp for him, as long as he's better than Jerry Tillery. Um, I mean, that's really the qualifier for breakout here. Um, I, I think as long as you can put up more sacks than he did last year and get more consistent pressure, make less erroneous mistakes, uh, then I certainly think Morgan Fox uh, qualifies as a breakout candidate. And uh, it's worth pointing out the chemistry that he has with uh, Sebastian just today uh, as well. They're sort of the Gabe neighbors and Justin Herbert of the defense. Uh, so I, I do think you have that relationship and you know, they'll work on the interior pretty well together too. And they're set up, both of them are set up for success on the defense. And I think when you look at the defense as a whole, obviously we could talk about Asante Samuel Jr. and some of the other you know guys in the secondary if you really want to pick a breakout candidate in the linebacker group. Um, but I think Sebastian Joseph Day and Morgan Fox are certainly on defense, the breakout candidates that probably stand out the most. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say about Fox here is that, uh, again, I mentioned the, the poor fit in Carolina. Um, his past what his past rush win rate in Carolina was 11, 11.1%. Uh, but with the Rams in 2020, it was 13.7%. So, uh, that 13.7% was uh, 21st best in the league, right behind Draymond Jones, Akeem Hicks, and Leonard Williams. So if Morgan Fox can get back to that, then I, I think this is a legitimate candidate for sure. Obviously, the only thing is, is he starting or not, which I think we're all kind of projecting that he will win the starting position. But, uh, you know, obviously that, I think, battle, if you will, between him and Jerry Tillery in training camp is going to be one of the most important position battles on the team. Oh, we're going to be so disappointed when Tillery is sitting out the preseason again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. Um, okay. Do you want me to go with the more interesting breakout candidate or the more on paper one? So the more interesting one or Gerald Everett? Yes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Gerald Everett first. Okay. Um, all right. I'll go with Gerald Everett. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy just to see why on paper, um, you know, Justin Herbert, I think has produced pretty good seasons for tight ends. One that got Hunter Henry paid, uh, you know, pretty uh, excessively. And then you have Jared cook, uh, who they tried to get usage and production alike. Hunter Henry, uh, didn't quite work out in that way. Gerald Everett just has, uh, really increased his production from every single season. He's been in the NFL, uh, I think this last three years, he's had 33 receptions, then 41, then 48 receptions last year, set an all-time high for uh, receiving yards with 478, and then had a career high in touchdowns last year with four. Um, from weeks 10 to 17, he was sixth amongst tight ends in yards, and for the entire season, 
not just, uh, you know, tight ends. He was 13th in yards per route run uh, last year. So again, that's in a very Seattle run heavy conservative scheme that we've kind of talked about with a Russell Wilson, who, you know, is a little bit, uh, has an objection to throwing over the middle sometimes. So he's generally anti-tight end for sure. Yeah, generally anti-tight end. So I think that you look at Gerald Everett and what you can put with him in this offense. Uh, I guess it depends on what you would qualify for a breakout season for him as well. But I think you could see very something very similar to Hunter Henry 2020, uh, where he has about you know 60 receptions, 600 yards, um, and then you know a couple touchdowns. Uh, so to me, if that is the expectation for a breakout season, maybe like a small Pro Bowl nod. Uh, I think that's something that is worth mentioning. Gerald Everett, I don't think, has been to the Pro Bowl in his career. And he, you know, in the vein of talking about the ESPN top 10 rankings, you know, I think he's someone that could climb into that top 10. Um, it's not some, it's not a position that's super deep right now when you look at, like, the, you know, 7 through 10 range, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think he's suddenly going to jump into being in uh, the, the Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller tier by any means. But... You give him Justin Herbert uh, and an offense that really likes using their tight ends. He's already a better blocker than Jared Cook was. I would say he's a better route runner than Hunter Henry was. This guy can just, you know, do a lot of things in the offense that I think will appeal to the Chargers. So for me, I mean, Gerald Everett is an easy uh, breakout candidate. I I don't think it gets much easier Mm -hmm. than that. And I think if, you know, we're trying to go over on his numbers from last season, he's the easiest one to to hit over on for sure. So for me, Gerald Everett yeah. is the probably the Chargers best overall breakout candidate, although you could debate that with Sebastian Joseph Day and, and Morgan Fox and some of those guys, but certainly on the offensive side of the ball, he's my favorite candidate by far. Yeah, he was the guy that was the first person that I wrote down and it, it does make sense. And you talk about the the top 10, the position group, like Hunter Henry 603 yards, Dawson Knox 587. Mm-hmm. Those guys were 10 and 9 on the top 10. Like Gerald Everett could pass. He could have almost passed that with Russell Wilson, let alone in this offense. We've seen how much they do feature, you know, someone like Jared Cook. Now let's see what they can do with the Gerald Everett, which, yeah, I absolutely do think he could statistically put himself in the top 10 this year. I don't know what kind of respect he'll get, um, but I do think absolutely a breakout candidate. I think he was kind of the most obvious slam dunk one. Yeah, so you're talking about, I mean, the top five in terms of the tight ends, obviously spoken for, I feel like. Uh, with Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, Kyle Pitts, and and uh, Mark Andrews. I feel like everybody's going to have that same top five next year. Maybe the order probably changes a little bit. But, I mean, six, Dallas Goddard. I'll kind of speak on that, but I think he's a, he's a solid player. Um, TJ Hawkinson, a lot of potential. Hasn't really kind of put it all together yet. Dalton might be on a team next year. Dawson Knox, who Tyler mentioned, Hunter Henry. I think Gerald Everett at least could get into the honorable mentions. I mean, talking about mm-hmm. Mike Kosicki in that category, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Ertz, David Njoku, who had like 300 yards last year. <laughs> like, So it, it's not, you know, John U. Smith had a really down season. He got some votes. Tyler Higby, CJ Uzama, Noah Fant, Austin Hooper. So it, it's and, not like. Yeah, I would just say like was. when you talk about like a Hunter Henry kind of player, that Gerald Everett could potentially leap this year. I think the one big advantage is Gerald Everett's athleticism. We talked about yards per route run, but he's also kind of a yak machine. Um, I think that that kind of production probably like puts him over uh, a Dawson Knox or a Hunter Henry. I just think the athleticism he ha- advantage he has over there, if the usage increases, uh, is pretty significant. I don't think he'll pass Dallas Goddard. That would probably be like the ceiling for him at that point. But for me, sure. yeah, I think you just look at his measurables and the way he played down the stretch last year putting him in an offense that more works to his strengths and yeah like tyler said it's a, it's a no-brainer yeah so i mean uh you're talking about him coming into a role where jared cook had 80 targets last year um i don't i don't think Everett's going to get all 80 of those right but no. um you know he definitely has a big opportunity i think my only kind of skepticism here uh that you know kind of wrong speedy pointing this out you know, how many more targets is Josh Palmer going to get this year? And how many more targets to a, a, a much lesser extent will Trey McKitty get this year? So I think those 80 targets will kind of be spread between those three players. But if Josh Palmer really takes like a big step forward, 
that doesn't leave a whole lot of love for J.R. Britt. So I think that really is kind of my only skepticism here, but I do generally buy him being an upgrade, of course, over Jared Cook. I think we're all in agreement that he's an upgrade over Jared Cook. <laughs> hard to be a hard to be a downgrade. Just uh, don't don't lose your focus. Just be you know grown up and uh, maintain that focus through a whole game. Um, all right, so I'm going double defense today. Uh, I'm going Asante Samuel Jr. with my second pick. I think generally has a little bit more buzz around him than Sebastian Joseph Day does. And, you know, I'm uh, about midway through the Chargers season uh, of my rewatch. Uh, and yesterday, unfortunately, I had to uh, rewatch Asante getting his first concussion against the Patriots. And I think everything kind of changed for him after that. And then again, after having a second one against the Steelers. But in those first six games before the Chargers had their bye, there were certainly some rookie mistakes, right? There were certainly some times where he was kind of out of coverage, but I mean, he was making some great plays on the ball, getting pass breakups, getting those interceptions, you know, making some great tackles in space. And I think if you just look at those first six games from Asante Samuel Jr., it really gives you a lot of hope for what he can be going forward. Um, obviously, the, the like I said, the second half of the season was, was kind of a mess. His missed tackle rate went, went basically skyrocketed after the two concussions, which is, is unfortunate, but um, I think he can really put it together. I think he can be a more versatile defender this year as somebody who can play in the slot this year, depending on what they want to do with Bryce Callahan and Michael Davis. And I think he will get more interceptions. Like we all loved him at Florida state because of his ball skills, because of his toughness, because of his tackling ability. And I think we'll see the tackle, the missed tackle rate come back down significantly because I think we'll see really who Asante Sammy Jr. is. He talked about, early in the offseason, being more comfortable in the defense, being able to be that versatile playmaker that he was in college because he was just so worried about, like, learning the playbook, playing on the outside, and, like, knowing his responsibility. And so the mental leap is going to be significant. Now you're talking about J.C. Jackson being able to shadow number one receivers. You know, he's not going to have to do that. I'm watching him shadow Amari Cooper in week two. I'm watching him shadow Tyree Kill in week three. So, you know, there was a lot on Asante's plate last year. And I think that's going to come down significantly because of JC allow him to play more free. And again, the the knowledge and the leap of year two in the system is really going to free him up to be a better player this year. So, you know, when I'm talking about a rookie, when I'm talking about a, a breakout player here, I mean, he's a, a flashy rookie kind of struggled, had some, you know, rookie wall kind of a situation. I think he's going to become a really solid starting caliber corner this year. And then, you know, we'll see where he can go from there. But I, I think that qualifies as a two-tier jump for me. And uh, I'm really excited to see where, what happens this year. Yeah, I, I like that pick. He has to break out. Like, he has to break out one tier at least or even just be consistent. Like you said, rookie wall stuff last year, but there was so much good there. It just it, it could never hold for an entire season. There was always just something like, okay, we're looking really good. Look at us cow- cover the Dallas Cowboys. And then I'm benched against the Browns. And then I'm kind of getting better. And then I get hurt against the Patriots. And then I'm getting better. And another concussion. It's like, ah, just couldn't quite yeah. all get there. But there's so much good there. And even during the games, watching the Houston game, there were some rough moments for him for sure. But then I forget I forget what player it was you were talking about this year, Stephen, for the draft, I think. But some guys just have that ability to lose on a play, forget about that, and move on and make a great play the yeah. next one. And that's kind of Asante Samuels Jr. He just has that mentality to him. You know, we all liked him coming out of college, and so I'm, I'm rooting for him for sure. Out of curiosity, did you pick him as your breakout candidate over Nasir Adderley, or you just kind of wanted to feature Asante Samuel Jr.? Um, I picked him because over, like I guess, over Nasir Adderley because I, I do feel like Adderley did have kind of a mini breakout last year. Okay. Um, so I, I, I feel like for me, Adderley's already a really solid starting player, so. For me to pick Adderley as a breakout would mean that I would feel like he is like a top 10 safety. And I don't really feel that confident in that. Again, I feel like he's a really solid player already. So I I feel more confident in Asante being able to jump up a couple tiers as opposed to Adderley. Yeah, um, Tyler kind of mentions that idea that he can, you know, lose a rep and come back the next play. I think that his uh, tape against Chase Claypool uh, last year was kind of like an example of that. 
where he just kind of like kept fighting, you know, got burnt on a play, but got back and you know, made a great pass breakup. So, um, you know, I, I'm very excited for Asante in year two. And I think as long as he can stay away from the injuries, then, you know, he's a prime breakout candidate. The big question is going to be, what is his role exactly? And I mean, sure. this is the question for really all the corners because we kind of have a rough outline that obviously JC is going to be our CB1. You know, Bryce Callahan is going to be the slot corner, it sounds like. Um, you know, if Asante is really, you know, the CB2 outside boundary corner, even though that isn't necessarily how it works in this tele system where everyone moves around, um, that's going to be a lot of responsibility for him. And I'm going to be interested to see if he can certainly carry that or if there's kind of growing pains early on um and then you know obviously staley isn't afraid to bench guys as we saw last season with asante samuel jr as we saw last season with michael davis um so i'll be curious to see with cb2 um and just kind of with the size and the nature of his game in general how long of a leash he might be given um, on some of those plays, or if Stanley just goes, okay, you're punished yeah, this sure. game. Michael Davis, you're out of the doghouse. <laughs> like, uh, there is that kind of relationship there with that group. So I I do think he will break out the season, but uh, kind of reliant on A, him staying healthy, and then B, you know, dealing with that added responsibility, you know, play after play. Yeah, and LDE, uh, Bruin pointed this out in the chat, that, you know, that mic'd up really points mm-hmm. or paints a picture that, Asante just feels much more comfortable and much more confident heading into year two. And I think that's a natural progression. You know, I'm really excited to see the training camp battles between him and Mike Williams, just from a sheer like size and athletic profile yeah. standpoint. It's really interesting to me. Um, and, you know, there, there are tons of, of battles I'm looking forward to watching. But um, I, <laughs> the last game I watched yesterday was the Minnesota Vikings one where oh, no. Asante was out and Michael Davis was out. So the corners against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were Tavon Campbell, Ryan Smith, and Chris Harris, which was a complete disaster. And I think uh, I think Nas was out that game too, wasn't he? Or or maybe he like left injured or something. So at one point it was like Trey Marshall and Alohi Gilman were back deep, and oh, it was it was such a disaster, man. So uh, you know the Chargers have done a great job reworking their secondary, and uh, obviously I think Asante is a, a key play a key player in that regard. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Absolutely. And I'm glad we finally got to a draft pick. I think their first three picks were all free agents. So it's nice to see some, some breakout and developments from players they actually drafted. All right, uh, here's my big swing and a miss of the day. Uh, Kenneth Murray is my breakout candidate. I don't know what qualifies as a breakout candidate for someone who uh, has for him being like tackles average and then twenty. Be, yeah, yeah. I, I think we, we've talked about it a million times. I don't want to rehash it too much, but he had at least three things that weren't his fault going against him: injuries, right? The coaching staff kind of just 
frankly screwing him over in my opinion and stunting his development by pretending he was something he wasn't and moving him around and then the off-field stuff this you know life kind of screwed him over once last year that sucks i just think just that alone is enough for him to go from 22 tackles uh to hopefully like 40 or 50 um but then again you know more development he said year year two hopefully in this system you know with better players in front of him a nice defined role i think he's your breakout candidate or can be a breakout candidate uh it's a big swing it's potentially a big miss as well but they are very high on him clearly they let a very good true solid linebacker leave last year who actually Kaiser White I was looking at the video. Kaiser White was Alex's breakout candidate last year, and that worked out. Um, so they are high on him. They believe in him. The line in front of him is better. Uh, the situation overall for him personally should be better. So uh, average, average. You know, honestly, jumping to average is like a three-tier jump. So I think that does qualify as a breakout. Yeah, well done, Alex, on the Kaiser White pick, by the way. I... Uh... I picked Kaiser White. <laughs> really? I Technically, didn't we all that I did that yeah. at all. Uh, so, but we all voted yeah. on it and said, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's good." Kind of, yeah. But go. yeah, no. I, and then I went with I Nick Neiman. Kaiser White was a good choice. He broke out. He chose Nick Neiman. Yeah, he broke out <laughs> oh, all no. the way. But it, it was training camp breakouts, not like season oh, okay. breakouts. Mm, but all right, true. all right. Yeah. Well, Kaiser White, you know, got a hundred tackles, had a Pro Bowl caliber year, and rode that all the way to three million dollars. So you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, you know, wish he was, wish he was still on the team. Um, yeah, Kenneth Murray depends on how you define it. I mean, he had a good rookie season, so if you just kind of get back to average in that, then I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, obviously, we sort of have to see him have success and sustained success, I guess, in this system, um, which hasn't been the case before. But uh, hoping for the best for Kenneth Murray. I also wonder if it's harder for him to break out just because they kind of view those linebackers as a little bit interchangeable in the Staley scheme as well. Um, obviously, he's going to get the most playing time out of any of them, along with probably Kyle Van Noy, um, Drew Tranquil, and Reader. But I think it's a little bit hard for him to stand out necessarily in the room. But the other thing that's going to hurt him is, of course, you know, he's going to be missing large portions probably of training camp and the preseason. And if he's just going to suit up week one and are we just going to assume he's going to be fine and totally in the system yeah. where he hasn't really gotten a chance to work out on the field with, um, you know, any of these uh, new players like Kyle Van Noy, like Troy Reader. That's my big concern with Kenneth Murray is just kind of being thrown into the fire again with all those expectations um, and, and not really having significant offseason work to, you know, uh, elevate to that status, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so curious to see what they ultimately decide to do with the linebacker room in general. Um, you know, I feel confident that Drew Tranquil is, is their best option right now as as their linebacker one, which, uh, depending how you feel about the importance of that position, is either great or not too bad or terrible. So um, how they work the rest of that out is going to be very interesting because I feel like after watching Troy Reader, I feel like him and Drew Tranquil are like the same player against the run. I think Drew Tranquil is much more athletic and much more adept as a coverage player. But I think your run defense can get by with Tranquil and Troy Reader starting. And I think just mentally, they are a step ahead of where Kenneth Murray is at in that regard. And obviously the injuries, you know, his brother passing away and all that stuff really contributes to everything that we saw from on the field. But the way that Murray processed information and processed things happening in front of him at the start of the season, when presumably he was healthy, um, that was kind of the big hangup for me. Not that he physically couldn't do the position or couldn't handle like this, the, you know, physical stress or, or the amount of stress that the defensive line was putting on him. It was just that he was very slow to react to the things happening in front of him. He's a significantly better athlete than either of those two players are. So if Kenneth Murray can figure out the mental side of things, again, you know, we've talked about it a bunch, like getting more comfortable in the scheme in the second year. So if Kenneth Murray can catch up mentally, then I think you're talking about the best linebacker on the team. It's just, can he 
do that in his second season now that he's healthy. Well, presumably healthy after the shoulder injury, shoulder surgery. So that's been my biggest thing with Murray is that if he can't get ahead of Tranquil and Reader from a mental standpoint, he's not going to get on the field. Like, it's just not going to happen. Mm, I think they'll force the issue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I should say not get on the field as like a starter. Like, I think they would carve out a role for him. But I don't think he would be a starter unless he can really catch up mentally in front of Tranquil and Reader. Less edge snaps for Kenneth Murray and Jerry Tillery. The better everyone is <laughs> all for it. So <laughs> let's try that this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. But I again, like I do feel oh, – sorry. No, no problem. Yeah, if, if the linebacker room is going to be at its best, that involves Kenneth Murray being at his oh. best. So obviously rooting for it. I want to make that very clear. It's just the mental leaps he's got to take are, are more significant than like the physical leaps in my opinion. I mean, we already know he's a good athlete. It's just about putting all that into practice. And, yeah, hopefully it does finally work out this year. Uh, otherwise, we're probably going to have problems with that fifth-year option. Um, all right. I'm going to go with wide receiver. And I see some people saying Josh Palmer in the chat. I see some people saying Jalen Guyton in the chat. But that's not where I'm going. Uh, Josh Palmer, the very easy breakout candidate if you wanted to go there. I think that he'll increase in receptions and probably be, you know, a, a more focal point of this offense as a wide receiver 3A. You can go with Jalen Guyton as your wide receiver 3B for the deep shots. But I'm going to go with wide receiver DeAndre Carter um, for a couple of reasons. I don't think he's going to have the most avenues to production, right? We've seen how the Chargers kind of used their fifth wide receiver special teams guys. Um, KJ Hill, you know, didn't really get too involved in the offense outside of like Washington game uh, early last season and then was cut. Andre Roberts kind of came in a little bit too late to have much of an impact at all. But really, when I look at DeAndre Carter as a player, it's kind of what the Chargers envisioned with Joe Reed uh, originally, right? Um, as this guy who can be your special teams returner on both punt and kick returns and really contribute to the offense uh, with Washington last year. You're talking about 24 receptions for 296 yards, as well as 10 receptions for uh, 89, or sorry, 10 rushes for 89 yards. So altogether, the guy on 34 touches had 385 yards, which to me is nothing to sneeze at, especially given the Washington offense situation, especially given the Washington quarterback situation. Um, PFF actually named him as one of the best red zone uh, targets as well. Uh, obviously, that's kind really? of like hurt. Yeah per snap uh, basis, you know, sort of in the same vein as Braid Fajoko. Um, but, you know, for what it was, he was very efficient in the red zone and, and can cause problems uh, can cause problems for defenses in that way. So for me, uh, I really like him and hope the Chargers kind of carve out some kind of role for him uh, in this offense. He also had a 28.1% target premium last year, which is obviously a value added per target. So, I mean, he was one of the better receivers in that Washington room. Obviously, some of his playing time is a bit misleading because Curtis Samuel was injured for large portions of the year. So that kind of gave DeAndre sure. um, that opportunity. But the reason that I view him as a breakout candidate is, you know, because of how the Chargers can integrate him in their offense. And I think with, you know, Ryan Fick in there, he, you know, kind of picked DeAndre Carter himself. Um, and I think you see the offensive production, at least on paper, and what he can give you, the speed and athleticism he gives you. Um, I don't know how integral he'll be game to game on offense, but for me, the Chargers have to use this guy much more than they used KJ Hill, much more than they used Andre Roberts, simply because of the utility he gives you on offense. And if you really want a Joe Reed kind of player who is your you know effective offensive gadget, um, this is it. And so uh, I'm going to be curious to see whether the Chargers use him. I think he's one of their best additions of the offseason if we're simply looking at, you know, value of the contract, right? They're basically paying league minimum for him for more than league minimum production. I'm very surprised Washington didn't decide to keep him, I guess, in the offseason because he was, you know, clearly one of the best returners in the league in addition to his offensive development. Um, so I'm going to go with DeAndre Carter. Obviously, I think Josh Palmer is probably going to go up in receptions. Jalen Guyton maybe as well. Um, but 
really the bar to cross here is about 20 receptions. And I think that you can do that with DeAndre Carter and get him involved in the offense. Um, so, you know, I, I think he can really set himself up for a potential free agency next year where maybe he could be a team's wide receiver three, wide receiver four, uh, and do more than Chargers uh, fans are expecting out the gate. So I know Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton do get a lot of the attention, and rightfully so. Um, but I think DeAndre Carter deserves uh, some of his respect. So this is more about, like, breaking out from the Chargers wide receiver five as opposed to, like, him jumping up a tier or something like that. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, he could also jump up a tier in perception, right? I mean, he's a wide receiver five right now. If he jumps up to being a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, like, you know, for another team next year, I would okay. also consider gotcha. that a tier jump. <laughs> he's not going to be on any ESPN uh, top ten list next year. Right. But um, I think with how the Chargers can use him, like, you have to kind of just use him in that like Joe Reed sort of role. Otherwise, why did we draft? Why did we draft Joe Reed? Why did we try making KJ Hill Joe Reed? Why did we try doing any of these things? So to me, if the Chargers really want to get value here, you use DeAndre Carter uh, as that player. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. I the only reason they moved on from Roberts, I would assume, because he's a better returner, is to get a guy who's more involved on offense. So I think that. Carter should be more involved than you know, Roberts was last year. I just don't know if Carter, like he had 44 targets last year, and I just don't see now Heineke was his quarterback, but you know, I don't know how much more of a breakout he can have from like his 300 yards or, or so. Um, I'm, I'm having a tough time with this one because I, I did actually think of him at first. I just don't, it just feels like there's a brick wall, but. We'll see how they rotate because if you watch the first few games of the season where KJ Hill was a thing, it was definitely a, you know, Mike Williams comes out, Josh Palmer comes in. When Keenan Allen goes out, it was some combination of of KJ Hill and Jalen Guyton. So if Carter can kind of rotate in that way and be effective that way and be their gadget player, yeah, he could have a good role. I just don't know if he'll break out. I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I... I I think if you are painting this as the Chargers basically got nothing from their wide receiver five last year and DeAndre Carter is going to give you more than that, then I think you you have definitely a, a breakout in that sense. But I have a hard time, like Tyler, imagining Carter gets like 450 yards, 500 yards, stuff like that. So I tentatively lean sell for that one. But I, I am I do see where Alex is coming from. And I do like the player. I was happy about the addition. So uh, we won't have Larry Roundtree and KJ Hill returning kicks to start the year, which is a plus. So we think. So we think. So we think. Yeah. But he is right. I mean, Ryan Ficken essentially handpicked him. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is a key difference here as opposed to last year when, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on his name. Swinton didn't, they didn't add anybody. It was just kind of like, well, we'll figure it out with the guys we have. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, picked, I picked I picked I picked Kaiser White last year. I picked Gerald Everett this year, so I'm willing to go out on a limb for a pick that probably will fail, but uh, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. It's all good. There you go. So nobody um, picks Trey Pipkins. I feel like we already I talked th- about him a lot. <laughs> That's kind of why I didn't really like pick him. But. Yeah, I mean, there are. I mean, we we mentioned Josh Palmer a bunch as well on this show today. I guess. You know, if Trey Pipkins does become like a solid tackle, then that's a breakout. Absolutely. I I hate to keep like banging on the guy. I just don't see that happening. Like I see him becoming like better than Storm Norton for sure. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't classify him as like somebody who's going to make a big leap without seeing it first. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't even know what kind of leap... It, you, I just, yeah, even if it's a tear up, I can't consider it a breakout. He would have to be like, where do you think? Top 25, 24. It's kind of random because there's two tackles. <laughs> to but, be honest, I think I... for, I think for me, if I were going to like at the end of the season, like, oh, Trey Pipkins was the breakout player of the year, like mm-hmm. he would have to be looked at as a must resign long term mm-hmm. deal. Um, not necessarily super expensive or anything like that, but if he kind of makes himself crucial to, you know, keeping the continuity of the offensive line, 
I think that would qualify because there's the right tackle position in general is not super deep, but mm-hmm. if there's a lot of just like average solid players there, and I don't, I don't know how high Trey Pipkins could climb in that regard. But again, if he just solidifies the position, makes himself more of a valuable asset going forward, I do think that would qualify as a breakout. I'm a little bit surprised that Steven, you didn't mention uh, Zion Johnson. I I thought that that kind of would have been maybe your pick there. Yeah. I just don't think like, I have a hard time picking rookies for like a breakout player. Like Mm -hmm. it would have been very easy for me last year to pick Rashawn Slater, but I just, you never know. Like you really never know with these rookie players. Like I feel like we all felt pretty confident about Asante heading into last year. And he had some tough rookie moments and, you know, predicting a rookie breakout player for me would, it would have to be someone like Slater, like would have to be somebody that I felt pretty confident would come in and be an elite player right away. And we didn't even feel that confident about Slater being in that regard, or I didn't at least, I thought that he was going to be very good. And I think Zion Johnson will be very good this year. And I think him being like an elite guard is possible, but I'm not picking that to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been, he actually would have been my pick if you were playing left guard. I just, it seems so simple, but like just that flip to right guard just has me going, uh, you know, it's a very different, you know, you got Slater and Lindsley versus Lindsley and Pipkins and then the right side. And, yeah, you know, I just don't, it's not quite the same. It's not the player that we watched, obviously. It's not the exact same spot. Um, anybody, anybody else you guys feel like is, uh, worth mentioning here in terms of national media, maybe Dustin Hopkins gets himself into like, you there know, you as it hits another 88%, 90% some respect. Hey, there's no, there's no top 10 ESPN kicker list. Like what the heck Jeremy Fowler, there, there should be. Um, I think if you're talking about rookies, I would probably mention Isaiah Spiller. Um, you know, yeah, um, the guy mentioning Isaiah Spiller, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, just given the role he's going to be in, he's effectively going to be the RB two for this team. Can both you know catch out of the backfield, can run out of the backfield, and you know can simply certainly do that at a higher level than Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree can um, at this point. So given the volume he has, um, Eckler, you know, obviously sort of faltered with you know injuries towards the end of the season, is getting a little bit older. Um, I think the role that Isaiah Spiller is going to have to play on this team as a result kind of leads to him breaking out. Um, obviously, that's going to depend on his level of play. Uh, but for me, I, I see a better running back, certainly, than the two um, you know, they had behind Eckler last year. And uh, I think he can still bring you that physical element in the run game. So for me, even though yeah, <laughs> there are still problems with that pick for me, I think that Isaiah Spiller easily uh, is kind of this team's RB2. And that, given his physical skill set, sort of warrants a breakout mention, even if he's not going to be certainly a top 10 running back, but I think he can elevate himself and probably that tier three of running backs, I guess, is here. Yeah. You know, a few, I guess a few months ago now I did that. I did an article for um, LAFB just kind of talking about expectations for Isaiah Spiller this year. And I think, you know, we, we've seen a, a good amount of rookie running backs come in and give you, you know, 500 yards rushing, 600 yards rushing. Um, obviously not as many get up to 1,000, although last year there were t- two, almost three. But, um, you know, if, if Isaiah Spiller can give the Chargers 750 yards rushing plus, I think that's a huge win, and I think that would, you know, qualify for a breakout season right out the gate. Trying to think if there are any others we've left out. Um, LBE Brewer mentioned Mark Webb. I thought about mentioning him myself because I, I, again, obviously been rewatching the defense. And Alohi Gilman just to me is kind of not there mentally. And he just it, it takes bad angles from time to time. He's slow to react. So I think Mark Webb has a legitimate chance to be that safety four, which is obviously a position that will, you know, see 15, 20 snaps a game, given how much, you know, Brandon Staley wants to move things around. I just, I don't really know where Mark Webb is at 
health wise. Again, you know, he mm-hmm. put in the chat yeah. if he stays healthy. But if Mark Webb is healthy by training camp and he can earn that safety four spot, I think he at least deserves mention here because I, I think he would be an upgrade for sure over uh Alohi Gilman if he's able to get on the field. I'll I'll stay on the rookie train for a minute and stay in the safety room. And I think JT Woods is, is possibly a breakout candidate. Um, depends on, again, what you deem safety uh, to be a breakout candidate. And maybe that kind of goes against Stephen's pick of Nasir Adderley as a breakout candidate as well. But I think he's going to be in that top three rotation and with how much, you know, Staley clearly wants to see him on the field. Um I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. Certainly, I think more than Mark Webb uh, to start the season at least. Yeah. And then they'll kind of see where it goes from there. Um, but obviously has the speed, has the intangibles. A little bit concerned about that tackle rate um, as we are with some of the guys in the secondary in general. But uh, certainly a ball hawk, I think, could probably create some pretty exciting turnovers. That is kind of the one you know, uh, calling card I would say he has over Adderley at this point. Uh, so for me, I, I think JT Woods as a breakout candidate uh, is probably the last rookie one I would mention. Yeah, you know, I mentioned uh, the Minnesota Vikings rewatch. There was there were three or four plays where one of the Vikings receivers was gonna was running a deep dig route or a deep crossing route or something like that, and uh, Trey Marshall was always the one that was like as, as the last line, last line of defense. And every single time, just like did not have the juice, the mental processing to get there and make a play on the ball. And I think if JT Woods can come in and do that, then he can be very valuable this year. And, you know, they've kind of hinted at them limiting him really to being that deep safety guy, maybe covering tight ends from time to time. But they're going to put him in the position to succeed right away. And so he's going to play a lot. And if he can come in and get two, three, four interceptions, then I think that's a hugely successful rookie season. Yeah, uh, what what Justin Jefferson did to Devon Campbell that game is is really unspeakable, um, and is probably yeah. results to being a federal crime. Like it, <laughs> poor Devon Campbell being put in that position yeah. last year. Yeah, I, mean, I was watching. I mean, when he was covering wide receiver threes, Campbell was playing pretty well. Man, he was. <laughs> it's just that everybody in front of him got injured, and then you're asking a 29 former CFL player to cover justin jefferson in a game and it's like this is not gonna go well and so you know now everybody thinks he's just trash overall it's like i feel like as your cb5 Tavon campbell yeah. can be valuable and and you know cover a wide receiver three in a pinch and be that cb3 if you need him to but obviously if he's your cb1 like you're screwed and especially if you're playing justin jefferson yeah people are very negative i saw you talking about campbell and people were kind of negative about him but People really forget the first like four or five weeks of the season when everybody was healthy in the secondary. That was easily the best unit that they had on the field. I was stunned how good they were. It just fell apart because nobody could stay healthy. Yeah. But they were really good, and Campbell was part of that. Yeah, if you watch him cover, you know, a Nelson Aguilar, a Byron Pringle, like those kind of players early on in the season, like he's good and he's winning those matchups. Uh, Justin Jefferson is a different beast. <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, I I don't know if Tavon Campbell ever fully recovered after getting rocked by Renfro last year. Um, I, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, I would have retired. So uh, you know, <laughs> good for him for getting on the field. All right. Well, uh, that was a great conversation. Hopefully, we mentioned uh, you know some of your picks. If you guys have any that are here in the chat, make sure and uh, drop them. We've seen some love for Josh Palmer already, but. Um, let us know who you think the breakout player of the year is for the Chargers this season. Tyler, any uh, final thoughts before we head out for the morning? No, just happy that there's so many breakout candidates to talk about. We're not just stuck with eh, maybe like the little two guys. You know, there's a lot of players that could break out. And there's actually a lot of players that I, we kind of do expect to maybe not break up, but take a step forward. So it's very encouraging heading into the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree there. Alex, any final thoughts, man? Yeah, no, uh, very exciting to talk about these breakout candidates. I hope half of them pan out, uh, and then that probably means we're headed in the right direction. So, um, yeah, I'm very excited for the season to to play out and for all these guys to get on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So we are 10 days away from the start of training camp, uh, 13 days away from the uh, back-together 
uh, show on uh, Saturday for the opening weekend of training camp. So lots of good football stuff coming up. We're going to have uh, some interviews coming back up with, uh, you know, opposing teams and things like that that we do every single year. So stay tuned for those. Uh, as always, if you are listening to this, please leave us a rating or a view. We do really appreciate all of that positive feedback. And that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you later.